0: What's going down, party people? Welcome to episode two of the Creative Ass Podcast. It's your girl, Zay Sadler. Just let the joints of the pod has officially started. Um, yeah, so super excited to be back for episode two, um, bringing you guys some recaps of some events that went down uh, since the last podcast, as well as uh, go over some hot topics um, that I have jotted down here in my handy dandy notebook, aka uh, my iPhone, no plug. Um, so yeah, going to kick off the podcast the same way every time, I'm going to start it off with the last thing I listened to, um, last thing I listened to, last thing I watched and last thing I read. Um, Last thing I listened to, uh, funny story, my uh, title subscription, uh, Jay-Z needs to work on that. (laughs) My title subscription on my app was acting up, right? And so I had to um, uh, take the app off my phone, essentially uninstall it, and then re-download it uh, to try to get it to stop acting up. It was like doing this weird thing where if I paused the song and then tried to come back, it wouldn't pick up where the song left off. Like, say I pause the song, answered a text message, check something, like an email or whatever, and then try to go back to the song, it wouldn't go back to the spot I left the song at, right? It would essentially make me listen to the whole song all over again. Same thing if I was listening to, like, a playlist. It would go back to the first song I was listening to in the playlist, like, earlier that day. It wouldn't even be, like, the last song I was just listening to. So I got really, really irritating to the point where I was like, all right, I'm just going to re-download this app. I think it's just like the app is bugging out. So I uh, take the app off, re-download it, and then um, whenever I re-download it, it's all the stuff I have saved, all the songs I have saved, um, like all the little mixes it's created for me based on what I've been listening to and those that I've saved, those are all gone. So I just lost everything I already had saved to my my app. Like the la- it picked up essentially like, with like the last things that I saved when I was in New York. And that was like almost a year ago. So like a little over a year ago, actually, at this point. Wow, time flies. Um, But yeah, so it it was just being really buggy and weird. And so I re-downloaded the app and it like erased everything I had from like the last year. And so I've been listening to a lot of things, trying to recreate um, the mixes and the uh, little playlists and things like that it generated for me. Um, So I've been listening to a lot of Lucky Day. Huge, huge fan of, of Lucky Day. Um, That's L-U-C-K-Y-D-A-Y-E. He actually just had a show here in Austin not too long ago. Uh, Super bummed I missed it. Um, I was just really busy, um, you know, planning for the Creative Ass Weekend event we just had. And I was just really caught up in all the projects I had going on and couldn't go. The tickets weren't even expensive. I'm I'm really bummed I missed out on it because he definitely has a song out right now called uh, I Love You So Much or I Love You Too Much. And um, essentially, it's like my favorite song right now. Um, It's one of those songs I can literally listen to over and over again probably for like a solid couple of hours. Um and when it first came out, probably for like the whole first day I had heard it and I could not stop listening to it. Like I love that song. It's a throwback to what I believe real R and B is supposed to sound like. It's um it's it's a love song, you know, flat out, no cap into it. It's just like this guy talking about how he absolutely loves this person too much. And it's an amazing song. I love it so much. So if you haven't checked it out, um it's Lucky Day, D A Y E. Um, and uh, yeah he's got a lot of other joints that I really really like that's just my favorite um also been listening to a uh, Summer Walker her album um a whole lot trying to again get my algorithms on title back aligned um of course the come through song the uh, the sample of Usher with with the feature of Usher which I don't know whose idea that was if it was London on the track the producer or um her manager um or anybody like that whoever idea that was to hey let's do the The idea to do the sample alone was already fire. Like I haven't heard anybody sample that song. It's such a classic. Like great idea. You know, flips are really popular right now. So that was a great flip. But then to also hey hit up Usher and say you know what let's get this guy on the song as well if we can, and him do his thing on there. I I love that song so definitely um not you know a sleeper or anything like that. Everybody's probably really aware of uh, Summer Walker. If you're not check her out. Her name's spelled exactly how it sounds. Summer Walker. Um, but yeah, that come through song with uh, Usher feature on there with the uh, the flip of the um, "You Make Me Wanna" old throwback song, it's classic. So yeah, really good track. Check that out. And also um, been bumping really hard the uh, the Wale album. Um, that was something I was listening to, and, and also want to get that you know back in my rotation on uh, on title. Um, no plug. I gotta stop saying their name. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to uh, to to those three artists. Wale. I think this might be my Man, I'm a Wale fan. Um, his last album wasn't as terrible, I think, as everybody thought it was. Um, Shine wasn't my favorite album from Wale, obviously, but I mean, out of all of his albums, and he's got quite a few, the 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 favorite number one, I'm gonna say, is definitely gonna be ah, not by much, but it's definitely gonna be the um, Much About Nothing album. The you know, probably the album that most Wale fans first got put on with, with the Cole feature and the Rihanna song. Uh, love that album i think it was the the first one i think he did the seinfeld you know kind of nod with um and yeah love that album um next would be the ambition album which is probably his biggest and probably most selling albums the one that had like lotus flower bomb and all that on there and then this is probably my third like it's it's a close close third to ambition as well i really really like this album um i was gonna do the podcast a couple days ago and i was thinking i don't want to like jump the gun i was like let me sit with this album a little bit longer and see if i really like it as much as i think i do and i do i love the the messaging on it i love sumi um i love that song if you've you know seen my page on instagram or anywhere uh, i've done a couple of videos to it an unboxing of my friends um uh zine he released uh, creative digs as well as just you know some other videos of me just jamming out to that song because i really 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 love that song and i love the message you know the, you know sue me i'm rooting for everybody's black facts i love that and um there's a lot of other really dope messaging on there about relationships and and um you know uh, mental health um uh, he just calls it wellness and watching an interview of him on the breakfast club he said he's it's getting kind of you know kind of like a hot topic trendy word to say mental health and he, he's like he was really trying to tackle some serious issues on that album and doesn't want it to think you know doesn't want people to think it's it's just a part of the trend or the wave that's going on right now so you know he doesn't even like using the term mental health he said but um but he definitely talk, talks about it and touches on those issues and it's just a really good album so if you haven't checked out Wale's newest project um wow that's crazy check it out it's a really good album that's what I've been listening to trying to reset my algorithms on my streaming side of choice <laughs> um, as far as what I've, the last thing I watched, um, there's a new series out on Netflix. Uh, it's called Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. And uh, looking it up now, let me make sure I get the gentleman's name who is the host on it correct. But it's called Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. And it's, uh, it's uh, got the host is David Chang. And um, uh, from what I've gathered from watching the show and then kind of, you know, listening to him talk, it sounds like he's a restaurateur. So he probably owns, it sounds like he owns quite a few restaurants and he's probably a cook as well. But essentially he's got kind of a, um, yeah, it's not a competition, so it's not like chopped, but it's more uh, reminiscent to uh, Parts Unknown by Anthony Bourdain, where essentially he's going to these different places and eating, but as opposed to it being unknown parts, he's kind of choosing one specific person to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with in a a city of their choice. He does Vancouver with Seth Rogen, which, you know, as a pothead, is a hilarious episode because they essentially just smoke a bunch of weed and go to all of Seth Rogen's favorite places to eat um, in Vancouver, which I I believe is his hometown. Um, First episode I watched was with one of my favorite creatives ever, which is uh, Lena Waithe, and uh, Lena Waithe was uh, doing L.A., Um, and so, uh, you know, she's from Chicago originally. Of course, she writes the show The Shy, um but uh, she lives in Los Angeles now with uh, with her uh, fiance soon to be wife and uh, they talked a lot about her uh, transplant there and had a bunch of you know, food that was actually really bad for you which was funny to see and, and kind of refreshing to see um you know since everybody's uh, on their super health kick lately and um yeah it was a really cool show i enjoyed it i enjoyed um most i enjoy most food shows and uh, uh I consider myself a foodie so um you know if you're just kind of looking for something cool to watch in the background or get some laughs or check out some really interesting places actually because I don't go to all of the most typical places um they go to Vancouver with Seth Rogen LA with Lena Waithe um Penh in Cambodia with uh, Kate McKinnon and then they go to Marrakesh um with uh, Chrissy Teigen so they go to some actually really cool places that I've never heard of before in um uh in Penh and uh, Marrakesh so you know not the typical Tokyo or you know obvious places people go to uh, to do food shows so that was pretty cool as well to see some uh, interesting new places and um the the, the, sh- the show's host is pretty funny so um I, you know I'd I say it's worth a watch if you uh if you're into food shows and things of that nature um I would say um don't necessarily watch them in any specific order because um yeah it's that kind of show where you can kind of pick around and and I, I really enjoyed the, um, the episode with uh, Kate McKinnon and Pham Penn. Um, I enjoyed kind of getting to know her personality a bit more. I've only ever really seen her on SNL. And uh, it was cool to kind of see that interview. And then, I, I like I said, I'm a pothead, so I, I always enjoy Seth Rogen. And his episode was really cool, too. And then Lena, the obvious um, connections there. It was really cool. The people he chose as well, Chrissy Teigen, all that. Uh, interesting people to... Uh, to to watch interviews with. So that was a cool show. That was the last thing I watched. Again, that's a breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Netflix. And then the last thing I read um, was a magazine article. The last thing I read in full was a magazine article in Elle Magazine. Um, The the topic or the headline was Women in Hollywood. And this featured essentially many um, interviews with quite a few different women. Um, They had Lena Waithe as well, again, uh, Lena's everywhere, she's killing it, uh, you know, love her and, and how she represents, um, uh, both of my cultures and intersectionality, uh, for people of color as well as, uh, the LGBTQ community, but, um, but it featured, uh, Lena Waithe, um, and it featured, um, uh, Miss Matsukas. I believe I'm saying her name correctly, she's the director of the, uh, the new movie they have coming out, Queen and Slim, as well as the, uh, the star of it, Miss Jodie Smith, oh wow so beautiful <laughs> um but yeah it had had them in it as well as Mindy Colling K- uh, or Kaling um uh, from The Office um Zendaya who I'm a huge fan of her show Euphoria and uh as well as Nicole Kidman been a huge fan forever um you know from Star Wars all types of stuff and um yeah it had a nice lineup of people in it Gwyneth Paltrow um it was really interesting and I read each of their stories and it just kind of highlighted and touched on the different things that they were doing um, in Hollywood today, um, everything from uh, Mindy Kaling learning that I didn't realize that um, that when she uh, was a writer on The Office and it was nominated for all those Emmys, um, at one point essentially they made her, but none of the other uh, white male counterparts that were writers on the show um, write in to the Emmy board. Essentially, the Emmy board I guess has a limit to the amount of writers that you can have credited for. Um, you know like one of the episodes or the seasons that you win and so because they had so many writers a lot of the you know actual stars of the show and other people as well they had so many writers on that show they essentially kind of made them explain why you have so many writers and they had a lot of the writers um kind of you know explain what they contributed but out of everybody that they had do this the only person that they had um you know submit in writing and then go to all like department heads and everything and get signatures on you know what their contribution to the show was was Mindy, and you know at the time she was one of I'm a huge Office fan, so when they were winning everything and doing really really well, I believe Mindy was one of only two characters on the show of color. There was Mindy who played obviously a uh, Kelly, and then there was a uh, you know Stanley. So you know I don't believe I've ever seen his name credited in any of the writing. So she was probably one of if not the only writer of color on that staff. Um, especially one of the only ones that was also on the show and a star of the show, and she kind of talked about that and talked about times that she's um, you know been on set and then not realized who she was. How when um, her spinoff, the Mindy Project, happened after uh, uh, after The Office, as well as she had her own movie, she was walking onto lots and people were you know stopping her. There was a time uh, where she you know recounted being stopped where somebody's like, "Hey, hey, where are you going?" and she was like what are you talking about and they were like this is a movie set you can't just walk on here and she they were like she looked at them like she was completely baffled she said of course I know this is a movie set and she pointed up and she said it's my movie and she pointed to the billboard that was right above the set that had her face on it and he was like oh wow and it was like wow you know I I, you know don't ever want to be the type of person that flexes who I am like do you know who I am but you know wow almost in that moment I had to kind of point out do you know who I am and i thought that was a really interesting story um i also uh, another really interesting story was uh, hearing gwyneth paltrow and in, in this article recount how now you know she's a mom and and she's always famously known for um you know posting on instagram with robert downey jr i believe or i think it was robert downey jr or it might have been um god the guy's name who plays captain america is escaping me but she posted with one of them as well as tom holland who plays spider-man And uh, you know Tom Holland's one of the newer characters and kind of a a new actor that's kind of hit the scene and gained some popularity. And uh, because of obviously the Spider-Man movies and his contribution to the Marvel universe, uh, the MCU. And she posted and she didn't tag him, and so it kind of created this like long-running joke that she doesn't know who he is. And you know he's even been quoted in, in stuff I've seen saying, you know, obviously she knows who I am, but I don't think she knew who I was that much back then. And um and she's been quoted saying that, you know, her character Pepper Potts who is um you know Robert Downey Jr.'s character Iron Man's uh, wife on the show, on the uh, on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she said she's you know kind of sprinkled about in so many of those different movies. Um if it's not an actual Iron Man movie, she's not always sure which movie she's shooting on, like what set is she actually on? Is she is she shooting in an Iron Man movie? Is this an Avengers movie? Is it a clip or s- segment in a spider-man movie like thor where you know, where she's not always certain what what footage is gonna end up where and um so she was talking about that and i thought that was funny hearing her side of it because that was my first time hearing her kind of recount she was like no i don't always know what set i'm on i don't always know what movie it's gonna end up in she's like in all honesty i've been in at least four or five of those movies and i don't think i've seen any of them and she's like i'm not trying to be rude but hey man uh, at this point you know i kind of have earned the right to pick and choose what I want to be in um she's like uh, her um, husband is a director uh and he is the director of the the show on Netflix The Politician and he begged her to be in it and she was like no I'm that's not what my focus is right now you know I'm focused on running my business and she has like a nonprofit organization and she's on the board of some other stuff and she's like and I'm a mom and she's like that's all I'm really focused on right now I act in certain things if and when time permits and if I really want to be in it but outside of that she's like I don't I don't have to anymore you know I've earned that and essentially her husband just kind of wore her down and got her to be in it because if you've ever seen the politician um I haven't seen it but I've seen clips and I've seen promo she's in it so obviously he wore her down and got her to be in it but um it was another funny story she mentioned in her segment of the interview um in uh, Elle Magazine was her saying that you know I'll, I'll read you know my lines for the upcoming episode and I'll just tell him oh no I, I have a board meeting at this time cut that Oh, man, I definitely can't do this. I have to get the kids to, you know, practice at this time. And yeah, you're going to have to cut that. I'm not, come on, man. I told you I wasn't going to be a main character. There's no way I'm memorizing all these lines. I have too much to do. I'm a 40-year-old mom with four kids. And so I thought that was a really interesting article, great read, um, with a lot of different women with a lot of different perspectives in it. Um, yeah, so check that out in uh, in Elle magazine. Those were the last things that I uh, watched, last thing I read, and the last thing I listened to. Uh, so now let's get into some, uh, some topics, some hot topics going on um first couple things I'm gonna get into are definitely gonna have to do with music um so a really interesting story popped up not too long ago um I'm gonna say maybe about a week uh, it had to be about a week and a couple days ago maybe not a full two weeks because um it's probably been just about two weeks since the the last podcast but um but essentially Lizzo who uh, I'm a huge fan of her song um uh, Truth Hurts it's a really big hit right now and uh, the main uh, line in that song is uh, i just took a dna test turns out i'm 100% that bitch and uh, it's like the hard- hardest line in the song i mean that and um why men why are men great until they got to be great those are two of my favorite lines in that song and it uh, turns out that uh, lizzo got that first line the dna line um from a group of writers who essentially um uh, were writing with her and uh, they you know kind of helped her with that song. Now they are credited in the writing on the song, but she was recently sued by a uh, meme maker uh, uh, or a, uh, who saw it and essentially uh, posted it and posted that meme. And the meme um, came out before the song as well, I guess, or around the same time. And they're essentially saying that the line from the writers who she credited on the song inspired the meme, but they believe though the individuals that are suing Lizzo believe that the meme also inspired the song um essentially I guess they're saying she saw the meme and the meme is what inspired her but Lizzo is saying you know I I wrote this song with the writers who wrote that actual line that inspired your meme and they are credited you don't deserve anything and I thought that was a really interesting situation we've gotten to the point in 2019 where there's so much information there's so many um creative ways to contribute To uh, social media specifically, that now people have. I've I've heard of whole people getting jobs at actual corporations and entities such as Complex and things of that nature based off of memes they've created. Like, this is an actual job that they are looking for meme makers, people to come up with catchy captions and, you know, put together, you know, mood posts and things like that, find clever photos that they can turn into cool captions. And this is a whole job, a whole, you know, spectrum and a whole space that's been created in the, um, the space of. Of social media now and so like you know I think it's interesting the idea of these people creating things that aren't necessarily born or bred of their own idea like they might see a picture or they might uh, take a, a, a you know a Drake song lyric and um, pair it with a cool picture of you know some face that some basketball player made after somebody got dunked on and then that's that meme is now mood and that mood meme goes viral on Twitter and then you know Lizzo sees it And somehow it gets, you know, this is obviously just just an example. Somehow it gets worked into a song that goes, you know, viral as well, or becomes popular, becomes a hit. And now this meme maker, somebody is coming, or you know, this tweeter or whoever's running somebody's Instagram account and posts something with a clever caption. Now they actually have a space to say, hey, if I see this caption or I I think this meme influenced this hit song, uh, or this, you know, I don't know, maybe. We haven't gotten to that point yet. I haven't heard about it, but influenced your I don't know album cover or anything. I mean, you know, these things are something that are are getting into the personal information space to where they're saying, hey, I came up with this, and I think I influenced something that you are now making a lot of money off of, and I think I deserve a piece of the pie. Now, in this specific instance with Lizzo, I think she handled it completely appropriately and paid everybody that needed to be paid. And I think the guys or the girls that are, you know, whoever is suing her is is being pretty ridiculous because she credited the people who wrote the line that inspired your meme. So that's all the people she has to pay. Uh, Whether she saw your meme or not, I don't think she needs to credit you. But that's an interesting debate or an interesting argument that can be put up because, you know, who's to say? I can hear the argument if she saw the meme first before she reached out to the people who wrote the song that inspired the meme I don't know maybe if you've got a good enough lawyer maybe they can argue for you that if you came up with that meme or created that tweet or run this account that inspired this song or tv show or whatever if you have a good enough if you have a good enough lawyer and we're getting into the space now where that's a credential a meme maker has a credential big enough to where they might be able to say yeah I feel like I deserve a certain amount of compensation for how much I contributed to your inspiration for whatever you created, and uh, maybe not in this instance, but I can see it creeping into a realm of possibility for somebody to come up with something, especially if it's a, even if it's a picture that they didn't take, but if it's a caption or an idea or you know a, a clever quip or whatever that's something they came up with entirely on their own, and it inspired music or inspired a TV show, and then that TV show or music or you know whatever art was created from it is profitable and I helped inspire it, yeah, you're fucking right, I deserve some payment, you're fucking right, I deserve some credit, just like if I, you know, came up with the song that you pulled a snippet from and sampled, even if it's only a four-second sample, but you used it to make a song that is now wildly popular and profitable, that person deserves to be paid, well, if I came up with a meme or a tweet or, you know, whatever, a viral video that influence you into becoming profitable more well, than I too should get that piece of the pie and I just thought that was a really interesting um scenario that popped up courtesy of the creative world of 2019 um so yeah it'd be interesting to hear uh in in, in comments or um you know in any type of way your feedback Like think um uh, yeah on, on Instagram after this is posted uh I would always love to hear any comments or feedback from any of the topics we discussed um if <clears throat> especially on uh, on Instagram or or, um, or um, you know, if, if and when we decide to get this up on YouTube, I'd love to hear you guys' opinions about things. So I think that's a really interesting scenario, and uh, I like the idea of things being um, communicative and not always one way with just you listening to me. Um, so, yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Uh, so getting more into music itself, though, oh, we had a big album drop that came out, a very <laughs> controversial album drop that came out that we feel like is kind of, or at least I feel like, has been kind of being promoted and talked about um, uh, in very, very laid back, subtle ways with, uh, maybe not so subtle ways with this whole, um, I don't know, Sunday service or whatever, church service or whatever he wants to call it, uh, Kanye West put out his latest project, Jesus is King, um, I listened to it twice, let's do it twice, first time I listened to it, uh, was after a party, I was a little tipsy, I was on the ride home and i was just like really really impressed with the sonics of it i mean it's kanye west with the exception of the last album um the Ye album which i just did not care for at all it's the, probably pardon me the only um yeah probably the only uh, kanye album i can ever say that i just really did not like like any of it i didn't like the rapping i didn't like the, the musicality of it i didn't like anything about Ye. so i was really curious to hear how he responded with Jesus is king now yeah <laughs> funnily enough the title makes me laugh cuz anybody who is a I've heard talk about it or who's a christian has been like nigga you ain't telling us nothing to do we do Jesus was king <laughs> so I, I, that always makes me laugh really hard this the title tickles me because it makes me think of of, of that <laughs> but um <laughs> as far as the um the music itself the the production quality is fantastic the production quality is amazing I'm a nigga, I'm a nigga who grew up in church, I'm a nigga who grew up in Baptist Church in Texas, in the South, like, I love anything that's gonna have a gospel choir behind it, I sang in a gospel choir when I was young, it was one of my, you know, first introductions actually making music, rehearsing music, I understand how choirs work, I understand, you know, how, um, you know, those melodies are, and I appreciate them, and uh, so there's no way it's not like those aspects of the album, um, the production of it is amazing, the music of it is amazing, um, I heard Charlemagne the God say earlier on the Brilliant Idiots podcast, the worst part about this album is Kanye, the music is beautiful, the, the production, the composition, all that is dope, everything about the music and the sonics of it is dope, um, but in all honesty when it comes to just like the lyrics or the singing on it, come on man, it just, it just doesn't, it's just not up to snuff, I just don't think he did a great job with making that album um i don't think he did a good job with making that album well-rounded i think the production of it was amazing but everything else is is just i think he i think he relied on the production he's like this production and how I know people, how I know my people are gonna react to this type of production, these types of, of melodies, and these you know religious hymnal esque beats. Um, I know I know how they're gonna react to it, and I think I'm gonna rely on that so much that I'm not gonna put the same amount of effort into the lyrics and the singing. Um, I have always been a huge proponent of if you can't sing, get somebody who does. If you can say, if, if you can't sing it. I I have sung on my own albums before, but there's been times where I have made tracks before and I'm like, I can't sing that. I know how I want it to sound in my head. And when I do it, it doesn't sound like it because I'm not capable of doing those things. And that's cool. I can do a lot of other things that other people are not capable of. I'm nice. <laughs> and I think Kanye forgot, I'm super nice at these other things. Maybe I can have some people come help me, which he's usually great with, do these other things. And, you know, I was looking for you know, Ultralight Beam, I was looking for Father Stretch My Hands, I was looking for that, you know, obviously religious uh, uh, melodies that, you know, tinker and, 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 and pull at the heartstrings and nostalgia, and then also really dope raps and really great singing, whether I have to go get Chance or, or, or somebody else to help me out with it, freaking Kelly Price, like, somebody, Yolanda there are these people who could sing all over this beautiful beats you've produced and do it correctly and then hey man you've not been shy before about saying you've had help people help you write your raps why didn't you call it those same people now because <laughs> I, I just wasn't a huge fan of the raps I wasn't a huge fan of the music now I will say follow God that song goes hard I enjoyed that song um was really, really excited, which I think everybody was, um, on Use This Gospel to hear clips um, back together again. I wish I would have got more bars from them, um, but um, I do understand, uh, like the, uh, the Joe Budden podcast said jokingly, uh, yeah, Pusha T not finna rap for more than eight bars about God. <laughs> so um, uh, I understand that, but it was beautiful to hear um, Pusha and Malice back on the track again. So um, th- th- those are good things I have to say about it um I'm gonna listen to it again um but um I probably won't listen to it more than the third time uh but yeah that that that's my take on it it's a good album it's decent I really really enjoy the production but there's not a whole lot of Kanye West albums with the exception of the last one that I don't enjoy sonically um but not a huge fan of anything else with the exception of those few songs it wasn't just it wasn't that great to me it was okay um which kind of rolls right in easy segue to um getting close to the end of the year I think we'll probably have a few more releases um, you know, that might just pop out because Christmas is coming and that's a big time to make money and that's what music industry and album sales are all about or album streams or whatever these days are all about at the end of the day. So I think uh, we will um, definitely get at least one more rap album before the uh, year, one more rap album from a known name um, before the year ends. And I'm really, right now, looking at my phone and looking at all these different rap albums that have come out this year and trying to see now that we've got um, Kanye's album out, who else is left? Cause looking here, and I don't even really qualify Kanye's album as, as a rap album. Um, so yeah, looking just going down the list of what rap albums have come out this year, and looking first off, Igor is a great album. I enjoy Tyler the Creator. His last two projects have been bangers, um, but I don't necessarily know if I call that a rap album um rapper go to the league which is two chains album that was pretty good it wasn't as good as the um, the um, pretty girls love trap music pretty girls love trap music was a banger that album i think two chains albums are kind of like rick ross albums they're always good but that was a two chains album where i was like wow this album's not just good because you know he always puts out good music but this one's this one stands out you know this one stands out um i haven't heard anything that i enjoyed this much from him since he was titty boy you know, so, um, that, that's how I felt about, um, Pretty Girls Love Trap Music, Rapper Go to the League was good, the bars were good, I think it was interesting to see LeBron executive produce something for the first time, and see him try to, like, promo, promo, and pub, and kind of be a part of the rollout of somebody's album, uh, for the first time, intentionally, not just, like, hey, these photos went viral, or whatever, but, like, this is obviously calculated, he's on the shop, you know, he had 2 chains on his show, The Shop, on HBO, right before the album came out, um, you know, again, he was, pushing it really hard on his Instagram and then he was credited uh as well as a producer. So I think that's really interesting. To see him be a part of a rollout. That was interesting, but not my you know, it was a good album. Solid project from Two Chains, but not my favorite. Um Post Malone, it was a good album. Again, I don't know if I'm calling it a rap album. It was decent. Post Malone makes music that's fun to bob your head to. Um it's got Juice World, Revenge of the Dreamers, that's definitely an album that we can for sure say is uh is uh, in my top three. That, that album, I can't think of a bad song on it. I like the concept of it with the invitations to all these different people to come collaborate. Um, obviously, you know that's where my head is at with creatives is trying to bring them together. Um, So I think that was a really cool thing that Cole did with sending out the invitations not only to rappers but producers, not only to super well-known ones but ones he's been following and other people may not know about, Um, to journalists that are part of the culture, all that, having them all come out and create a space for them to all network and uh, just feed off each other's energy and come out with this really dope project as well as a really cool, you know, kind of 30-minute trailer um, of what went on behind the scenes of the creation of it, dope idea, dope project. Um, not a whole lot of things that come out of that Dream Dreamville camp that I don't love. But uh, yeah, Revenge of the Dreamers 3 was fire, so that's definitely in my top three of, uh, of rap albums that have come out this year. Um, just got to run through some more of these. Port of Miami, another solid Ross project. Uh, Crash Talk 2, loves Schoolboy Q, but I've been telling everybody that ain't it. Not a fan of that project, with the exception of maybe two songs on there. Um, Num Num Juice grew on me. Um, but other than that, not really big fan of that project. Uh, Kirk by the Baby surprisingly good um definitely a lot of the tracks are in the same vein but he's got a couple introspective songs on there that I'm, I'm a fan of including the one about his pops and uh, yeah he can rap he can definitely rap and I think it's really cool that he's a new person out of that whole wave out of North Carolina um so yeah shout out to him the baby. I really enjoyed his album uh Denzel Curry that that boy got bars uh <laughs> that's, that's all you can say after any album Curry puts out is that boy got bars um yeah it's fire <laughs> really really good album um I think I gave YG's album like one spin but didn't really listen to it too much it was good but uh, I haven't really heard anything from YG that I've loved since uh, as much as my crazy life um uh, Chance's album came out wasn't a big fan of it I was really disappointed with Chance's album I'm, I'm not even gonna harp on it just because I don't think anybody really loved that Chance album, and even Chance came out and said he's kind of tired of hearing bad reviews, so uh, I'm not going to harp on how much it, it disappointed me, there's no other way to put it, um, Chance really puts out cohesive projects, man, he takes you into these worlds, you know, with whether it's a 10-day project that's like, you know, with his description of how he made this album and, you know, the, the songs on that project, I can almost in my head see this kid get suspended from school go into this uh library sneak into campus every day because technically he's suspended and sneak into campus every day and use this equipment that he has in the library and record this album for the 10 days he's suspended from school for having weed like I I can almost see it in my brain um same thing with acid raps I get he puts me in a certain mood with acid raps I get I it all has a vibe it's very very cohesive it's he takes me on a ride he takes me in this world and then he does the same thing when he completely won 80s with coloring book so totally different from the 10-day project, so totally different from um, Acid Raps, but completely sucks me into this world that is both nostalgic because I grew up in church, but also just really beautifully put together and paints this really awesome picture. Love the way Chance creates albums. He creates whole cohesive projects in a Kendrick Lamar, J. uh, uh, Cole-esque way that it's just it's 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 remarkable i love it he's one of my favorite album artists for sure and this one just wasn't it for me there's a couple songs on there i really like i like the song with meg um but it feels like i like it because of meg i like the song with yb and corday um i feel like i like that because i feel like it's his hardest bars on the whole album and i feel like because yb and corday is a rapper's rapper that he kind of pulled that out of him um and so those are the songs i like but again i feel like i kind of like them because of the features so and again not gonna harp too hard Chance has three albums that I love so much that I, there's still nothing bad I can say about the Chance the Rapper with one out of four that I don't like and three that I can listen to from top to bottom without skipping a certain track and I still listen to to this day yeah I mean you know everybody's allowed to miss <laughs> um Gunna's Dripper Drown 2 was good um Boogie's album was really good surprisingly Offset's album I actually really enjoyed to me offset is the better rapper of the three migos they kind of all have their strong strong suits which to me i think is what makes them you know a fun group together um you know quavo's the personality he's he's really big on production um and obviously he's the ad-lib king and then you got uh takeoff who's really great with melodies and he's actually a former dj so his you know he's really good at mixing records and i really enjoy the way he mixes melodies and then to me um Uh, offset's the best actual like bar for bar rapper of the group i don't think any of them is you know backpack boom bap style rappers obviously uh very trappy but um when it comes to lyricism i think he's the one who's the best um i have not listened to a logic album since he put out that spider-man bullshit talking about how black he was um lost boy by yb and corday that might be my favorite rap album that's been put out this year it's really back and forth between that and revenge of the dreamers but um yeah I love 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 YBN Corday's album Lost Boy if you have not checked out Lost Boy uh, by YBN Corday, immediately do so like I'm okay if you pause this podcast and go listen to it it is a great album um I love the personality he put into it he can sing a little bit I'm not gonna say sang because I know some people sang but he can sing he has a pleasing voice and he can rap He's bringing back rap, like rap rapping. I can hear the uh, Kid Cudi influence. I can hear the Jake Cole influence. I can hear the Nas influence. He is a rapper's rapper, and I really, really enjoy um, uh, that album, The Lost Boy. It's, again, like in my, it's in my top two. It fights back and forth uh, for uh, the number one spot with Revenge of the Dreamers um, 3. Other than that, I mean, Gucci Mane put out an album, it you know, straight. straight, uh, the Nas album was okay. It had a couple songs on there um that were, eh, that i enjoy but n- nothing crazy uh, care package was a bunch of songs we already heard already ventura was dope um as well as oxnard uh, projects from anderson pack um uh the Jaden album that he put out i i really enjoy Jaden smith's music every album he's put out has had the kind of like um songs he had like the blue the b-l-u-e where they kind of are like four separate tracks but they run into each other and it kind of sounds like you're listening to one song but, but you don't know until you look up and you're like oh shit E is a whole nother track it's not a six minute song um and I, I really enjoy Jaden's music if you haven't checked out any of Jaden Smith's projects uh Sire projects or um uh Icon or any of those projects go check them out uh he's actually a better rapper in my opinion than his dad <laughs> and uh and he puts out really dope projects um Father of Assad was cool Crit is Here was cool um the maxo cream album i still have not listened to but i know people who rave about how great it was um i really enjoyed rhapsody's album eve was dope um have not listened to the common album but uh you know it's common so you know what you you know what you're gonna get there and i actually have heard it's pretty good uh, young and mace album was good uh that's another person who i enjoy as well as yb and Corday for being two of the new people who are bringing back rapping like rapping rapping um, no diss to any other type of hip-hop. I love trap music. I love all of the types of music. There are other types of music that I think, you know, when you get to the little Uzis and, and, and you know, people like that. Well, I don't even think it's necessarily rap. I don't even think it's necessarily hip-hop. I think it's hip-hop influence. But if you got a little Uzi sitting in front of you and he's telling you, you know, my biggest influences are Pharrell and Marilyn Manson, why are you calling that guy a rapper? Yeah, And I think a lot of these kids are getting labeled as rappers or getting labeled as hip-hop just because they're black. And I'm like that. He's not a rapper. He's not freestyling. He doesn't want to freestyle. He has no interest in it. Like it, he's not cut from that cloth. And it's not a disc because I love Uzi's music. I think it's not necessarily rap because you know we got a. I'm 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 a rapper. I'm a poet. I'm a writer. So words mean something to me. At the end of the day, rapper means and what it, its core meaning comes from is rhythm and poetry. So that means these beats and these bars. And if you're not doing both to me, you're not a rapper. If you're just focusing on the musical aspects of it that's cool a lot of other types of musics do that and and that's fine but to me that means you're not a rapper you're just a musician and it's still respectable and i still fuck with you it's just not rap so i think a lot of these people are getting thrown into the rap category even if they're not rappers which is why a lot of the stuff i see on this list like i said um you know with with tyler he's a rapper but i don't know if the ego album was his rap album jesus is king that's a gospel album to me um you know yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of rap that comes out these days, and I'm I'm not sure if I'd call it rap, um, but uh, but yeah, those are a lot of the albums that came out this year. The album I think that is my sleeper that um, surprised me out of all the albums that came out this year that I would consider a hip hop album was Mustard's album. Um, it was a you know DJ Khaled esque album where he did the production on everything, he kind of curated and composed all the songs. Um, but you know he's he's a DJ. He didn't he himself did not rap, but um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I enjoyed it, you know. If we're gonna say kind of follow the mold of Khaled's album, I enjoyed it more than Khaled's album. I liked Khaled's album. I listened to Khaled's album for probably like a solid two weeks, and enjoyed it. And you know, played it in the car. And the you say joint with Meek Mill, and obviously the the higher joint, uh, RIP Nip. You know, I listened to that album. I like the song with Scissor. But that Perfect Ten album was good. I was really surprised at how much I liked it. I like uh, LMA, so he had her sprinkled throughout there. That's his artist. Um, I like the song um where he, you know the perfect 10 joint where he interweaves the nip interviews um i like that album that's i was surprised by how much i really like perfect 10 by mustard so uh that is a my album review of the best rap albums of 2019 um kind of moving on still in music a little bit uh but a little bit lighter a little bit funnier um so mrs solange knowles recently made a post on instagram where she was kind of talking about uh some things she's got going on and and, uh, you know, she's, she's one of those kind of Frank Ocean-esque artists where she posts, uh, but she doesn't post like regularly or you know, overtly or a lot. And she recently posted kind of, uh, talking about things that she has been going through in the past couple of years. And, um, one of them was, uh, you know, separation from her, her, a uh, long time, um, significant other and i believe her husband of about five years and i just wanted to read this post because uh, you know solange is an interesting individual who i uh, always enjoy hearing from on not just music not just albums um not just movies but i enjoy hearing from her just in general because i enjoy her take on things and i enjoy her energy and um this was the post she put up where she was kind of uh, you know talking about the things that have been going on and she says the past two years have brought me more physical and spiritual transition and evolution than ever before My body left me with no choice but to listen and be still. With that stillness, I began my journey in confronting my worst enemy, fear. I've lived my best and worst moments in front of the lens and gaze of the world since I was a teenager. I've always tried to live in my truth, no matter how ugly or full of love it is. I've also tried to carve out the space to protect my heart and my life as it unfolds, evolves, and changes. 11 years ago I met a phenomenal man who changed every existence of my life. Early this year we separated and parted ways and though it ain't nan nobody business I find it necessary to protect the sacredness of my personal truth and to live in it fully just as I have before and will continue to do. So yeah she goes on and says more but um yeah it's really really interesting and uh I think that uh, it's more than we necessarily deserve, as far as any explanation or any um, look into her life. Uh, I'm a fervent believer that you know the things that these people get to show us or allow us to see via social media and things of that nature. It's it's, it's kind of the 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 bane or burden of the business that they're in now. But I don't think that we're owed it. Um, when I was younger, I used to think you know if you're in that space, you kind of owe it to people, or at least you kind of signed up for it. So that's just what it is. But I think it's really beautiful that she shared that with us and kind of let us know where her headspace was and it's probably pretty therapeutic to get that out um and say you know hey this is just what's been going on with me lately and and I don't know if you felt it or saw it in my art but uh I did probably and that's probably why she put it out there um just being an artist myself I can understand that but I think it's really you know beautiful when anybody feels like um they can move on from certain situations or certain people and even though it, it may be um amicable uh, or may not be that they can still find balance enough to to say hey you know I just had to do what I had to do I'm going to continue to live in that truth and uh, I'm going to continue to try and grow and evolve and you know if you fuck with it swag <laughs> and if you don't um, you know fuck you (laughs) that's just what it is and and i'm not gonna apologize for it so i thought that was really interesting it's something i've I've heard a lot of people talk about and a lot of people call solange goals in a bunch of different ways as far as um you know what she was with old dude you know goals you know this is the artsy kind of couple goals and then you know even now and in the way she's handling her breakup i i hear people and, and and see people calling her goals and i can understand it because you know she's human and it's always cool to be reminded that you're not alone. Um, and, you know, I think that's what this post kind of does is just show you, hey, I've, I've, I've kind of had a rough year, too. And, and I still had to do work. I still had to put on an album. I still had to promo that album. I still had to be present here on social media, even though I probably didn't want to. But my publicist or whoever is probably in my ear saying, you need to post. It's been too long since you posted. So, yeah, if I post, this is what I'm going to post. I'm going to post all my truth. And I'm going to stand in it. And I'm not going to apologize for it. And I think those are the best type of celebrities who are just honest. You know, I, I love Kevin Hart and I always say that I think he kind of set himself up in certain ways um, because if, if you portray a certain thing, especially these days when life is a highlight reel and everybody's just kind of watching you move through social media and thinking, you know, that, that must be that person's life. If, if all you give social media is, you know, these pretty cookie cutter pictures of me and my family and, you know, I'm getting up early and working out and I'm going to work and I'm, this, is, this is all I do, you know, this, this, is, this is all you'll think this person is, is their job and these pretty pictures, and it may not necessarily be true, and, you know, when they do something like cheat on their wife and get caught, um, then then it's this (gasps) moment, like, wow, I can't believe it, man, what, Kevin Hart did something half of the world does, 50% of marriages end in divorce, and a lot of those marriages, I'm sure, are ending because of infidelity, and, you know, I saw a tweet earlier today from Smino, uh, who said, you know, I don't even think people are, you know, our generation, and he's talking you know, that's the millennials, you know, obviously a little bit younger than me, generation Z. He's like, I don't even think our generation is fucking with marriage like that. And he retweeted it and said, Shit, relationships in general, bro. Like that's just you know, people are evolving to something else and if if you try to portray cookie cutter images and and something happens that you fall out of that cookie cutter image then people are shocked but if you all you ever give people is the real, the raw, the truth it, you know they can't ever fault you for anything you know I mean they can but at the end of the day they would have to then examine themselves and say do I not fault because this person has never told me they were perfect. this person has never pretended to be something they're not they've shown me they're good, they're bad, they're sad, they're happy and those are all things I experience so if somebody falters or you know slips up or says something wrong, it's like, how, how can I fault them? Because should I do that? And well, this person's a person just like me. So I, I applaud people who are in that spotlight and who, you know, have the strength and audacity to stand up and say, Hey man, this is who I am. It is what it is. And you're going to get that in every element of me in every way you consume me. And that's going to include social media, which, you know, like I said, most people think is a highlight reel, but I'll show you the raw right here as well. And I salute Solange for that. I mean, I guess she has goals. (laughs) Um, uh, So moving in uh, to another really interesting topic. Uh, So I heard that Obama canceled, cancel culture. And you know what? I love Obama and I ain't never needed no reason to love him more. Man came to my hometown and ate barbecue uh, here in Austin, Texas. Uh, You know, he he made uh, gay uh, gay marriage legal. (laughs) Uh, He was the president when that was passed. You know, and he was the first black president. It's not a whole lot Barack Obama could have done to piss me off um because he's done so much to make me happy but this this is just icing on the cake I anybody who knows me knows I hate cancel culture I think there are people who absolutely should be publicly reprimanded for the shit that they do because it was so reprehensible that yeah you should be shamed you should be as our as our mamas and grandmas say you should be fucking shamed to yourself you should be shamed and 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 thusly you are shamed like Cersei on on Game of Thrones shame shame god damn it you you will be shamed um but I also think uh, cancel culture, and I've had this conversation with a couple of different people, and, and, um, one of the most notably being a friend of mine, and just all-around amazing human being, somebody's killing it this year, kimon Felix, uh, who is, uh, just, met her as a badass poet, and she continues to, um, usurp and, and push and, and, um, re-evaluate the boundaries of, of what is amazing and cool and, uh, and respectable, um, and progress, Um, but I had a conversation with her about this a while back about cancel culture and, and how I just think it's, it's, it can be more destructive than it is helpful. Um, and, and not in the intention. I think in the masses, the intention of things gets lost. And, um, you know, my dad used to always say intentions don't mean shit. It only matters how it made somebody feel. You know, your intentions is, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? It doesn't mean shit. It's only about the reception of it. And, uh, I think with the masses and the way that cancel culture operates and with Twitter and with quote unquote dragging people and in Instagram and Facebook and just social media in general, I think uh, a lot of what cancel culture turned into just became, you know, a new way for people to digitally or, uh, you know, via online, grab their pitchforks and run and create a mob mentality. Um, a person, I always live by this. A person is smart people are stupid period you know a person will help somebody who is being harmed this is like they've done sociological studies on this I have been in college and watched videos of this where there can be somebody being harmed and one person even if it may mean that that one person might get seriously injured and they know it going into it like maybe they're outnumbered or something a person will try to help somebody a group of people will walk by somebody being raped at a party or a festival, and just let it happen, because nobody else is doing anything, and they don't want to be the first person to make a move. A person is smart. People are fucking idiots, man, and I think with cancel culture, all it really creates is a mob mentality, and the sheep find a new way to jump on a new bandwagon. I mean, obviously, there are people, Bill Cosby, uh, R. Kelly, uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein, there are obviously people who have done things so horrendous that we probably have a unanimous decision to cancel this motherfucker and thusly they were canceled and they should be but there's other people who, you know going back to Kevin Hart uh, you know who's created that you know perfect image is pretty white teeth and I work really hard and comedic rock star and pretty family and you know who's created this and then people are pulling up old tweets of shit my Mon- nigga said when he was what fucking five ten years ago it's like come on man if you're the same person you were five ten years ago I feel fucking sorry for you bro I'm not the same person I was five ten days ago let alone five ten years ago so I think when it comes to cancel culture there are certain people it should directly be targeted at but I completely agree with Barack uh, if I can call you Barack (laughs) I completely agree with Barack um that you know the idea of cancel culture quote unquote is just silly It's just a new way to give people pitchforks. It's just a new way to put the battery in people's back to say, hey, let's all attack one thing at one time because being part of a mob is fun. And that's just the way human sociology works, unfortunately. That's weird. You know, fucking tribal in nature. So if somebody we see we like or just a lot of people we see that look like us or if, you know, black Twitter or white Twitter or whatever is all jumping onto something and it's quote-unquote trendy or trending, uh, then yeah, yeah everybody will run behind it without reading a story to see what's really going on without getting any facts It's just, hey i saw you know somebody i fuck with tweet about fuck this person and so i'm gonna retweet it and i'm gonna jump on the bandwagon and it's gonna go viral and i like seeing that shit because ooh, i'm a part of this bigger thing even if it doesn't provide any solace or repair anything or even educate anybody it's just kind of a waste of fucking time in my opinion and you know reach one teach one to me makes more sense than the masses collectively canceling somebody so I always thought that was a really, really stupid situation, stupid idea. And, you know, shout out to Obama for agreeing with me. Um, uh, another thing that I've heard about today, and this will probably be the last topic I do before getting into sports, and then uh, probably some recaps of some events I went to and closing out uh, the pod. But um, it's always a really interesting scenario to me when you have the dynamic of maybe two friends. That are we'll say three friends, and we have friend a friend B, and friend C uh say friend a and friend B are upset with friend c uh or no friend friend b is upset with friend C we'll say that, and friend a nah, not so upset with friend C and friend b is kind of pressuring friend a to uh be equally upset or um, is, uh, is not sure, doesn't understand, you know, why you're not mad at the other friend as well. Um, and, and, you know, really the idea or concept of loyalty coming into question. And when you have uh, people that you have certain expectations of them and, you know, when that expectation is not met and you kind of looking at your other friends who are in common and saying, well, why aren't you upset with this person too? Because we're all friends and they did this thing to me and, and you know, you should be upset about it. Um, and that, that really kind of came to me because of the, uh, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God situation that's going on over at the Breakfast Club. Uh, I think it's really interesting because that's a show I'm a huge fan of. Um, and, and, I, you know, I haven't watched it as much lately, but there are certain interviews like I just watched the Wale interview, Trevor Noah interview, um, somebody else's interview they had up that was maybe not the newest, but I hadn't seen it. And so I watched it, uh, it's slipping my mind right now, but kind of recently gotten back into it and huge fan of the Joe Budden podcast. And they were bringing up the subject as well. Uh, that essentially what happened is uh, Angela Yee of the uh, Breakfast Club had a previous interview or previous altercation during an interview with Gucci Main uh, about some comments that he made uh, about her, you know, essentially trying to hook up with him or fuck him, suck his dick, whatever. And, uh, and it kind of caused a rift. And. Um, Charlemagne and Angela and I believe Envy all were supposed to interview him on the Breakfast Club, according to most of the stories that I've heard. And uh, Angela, he you know, still off of this uh, altercation they had previously, was like, "Nah, I'm not talking to this nigga. Fuck that." And so Charlemagne the God has a interview series that he does on his own. He just recently did uh, the cast of the Girl of Girlfriends, and I have to go watch it because that's one of my favorite shows ever um but he also in that series interviewed gucci mane and i guess you know probably because i've got this person who wants to do an interview one day my castmates of my show don't want to interview him and so he has uh, gucci Mane on the show from what i've heard both angela yee and um dj and were both aware of the interview um before it happened but in the interview gucci Mane says some pretty pretty foul things about angela yee calls her outside of her name he uh, refers to that interview again about you know her wanting to get with him, trying to fuck him or whatever, and essentially it uh, causes a pretty nasty rift. He says some pretty fucked up things about Angela Yee, and you know, this shit's on YouTube. It's for everybody to see. I can see it. Of course, she heard it. She probably heard it before I heard it, and uh, obviously she was not pleased because Charlemagne doesn't really defend her. He doesn't say hey you know come on man that's my castmate. You can't talk about her, talk about her like that in front of me. He kind of just lets him say it and then even kind of laughs at what uh, Gucci Mane says. And it, it's 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 kind of caused this uh, conversation on a lot of the shows and things that I watch about loyalty and about, you know, if you have a friend or if you work with somebody, and in this situation it's more specifically co-workers, but they've been together on this show for so long, and they present to be this, you know, family, It most of the world assumes and, and they talk about each other like they're friends. And, um, you know, kind of creates this conversation of, is that being a good friend, is that showing loyalty, and uh, I'm always the person who is going to pride myself on being the type of person that I'm gonna be, be the same person, say the same things, and be the same kind of friend when you're there as when you're not there, and uh, you know, if, if you're not there, and I hear somebody say something bad about somebody I fuck with, especially somebody I consider a friend or family, I'm gonna check that shit, I'm say, say, man, you can't say that shit around me, and I've had that happen multiple times, I've had poets bash other poets around me, I'm like, say, man, chill out, you can't talk about her or him like that around me, that's my friend, like, I don't, I don't know how you get down with your homies, but I know you know that's my friend, so I don't know why you would even feel comfortable saying that kind of shit around me, because that's, I fuck with them, like, that's my nigga, and everybody knows it, I know you know it too, so, what's up, like, you either gotta get the fuck around me saying that shit, get the fuck, get the fuck from around me saying that shit, or you you need to, if you want to stay around me, you need to stop talking about that person, because I, I don't rock like that, and, um, you know, that's how I try to hold myself accountable when it comes to the people I care about. And and, and I just think it was kind of foul. I mean, Charlamagne the God is somebody who I really could not stand when I first got introduced to The Breakfast Club. But the more that I watched the show, I understood his role. I understood that Angela is there to, you know, she's she's the only female voice. So she's there to be the female voice on the show. Um, DJ and he's a DJ. So he's there to be the DJ. And he's there to kind of be the peacemaker as well. If you ever watch the show and see interviews that kind of go awry, he usually chills things out unless he's the one that's pissed. Then there's no chilling him out. <laughs> um, and then Charlemagne is there definitely to ask the hard questions. He's there to uh, cause the stirrup. He's there to um, kind of poke at people. and he he does his role very well but he's also i've kind of over the years of watching the show seen him evolve and um, become a better interviewer ask better questions and reinvent that role as well as still remain true to it and I, i have a lot of respect for him as a journalist he's not scared to ask the questions that other people sometimes are scared to ask he's not scared to say what he feels and he's not scared to correct himself um, He said a lot of fucked up shit, done a lot of fucked up shit, and been the first person to come out and say, "Hey, man, I'm a dumbass. I'm a dumbass in certain areas, and I've learned my lesson. And you'll never hear me or see me do that shit again." And for the most part, when he says that, you don't hear him or see him do that shit again. Um, So I really respect his journalism, though he may not be somebody I see and say, "Hey, that's somebody I would want to hang out with." I respect his journalism. I respect his hard work. I respect his um, dedication to the culture in many facets uh but I didn't think that was cool that was the one one thing I can honestly say that I did not respect uh Gucci Mane was calling Angelique outside of her name he called her a bitch like even if this is somebody that you don't necessarily agree with or even if you're pissed off at her at the time that's it's not cool it's not cool that's somebody who at the end of the day somebody you get bread with and even if you're getting a lot of bread I think the Breakfast Club is still probably one of your biggest checks, and it's definitely still, if not one of your biggest checks, one of your biggest sources of exposure. You're on the radio every day. You're on a nationally syndicated podcast and radio show every single day of the week. And and it airs in one of the biggest cities in the world, in New York. Like That's definitely still, if not your biggest paycheck, it's definitely still probably your biggest line of exposure. And, um, you know, that's not cool. If, if you've done a show with somebody that long, you got to keep the brand tight. And even Envy came out and said, you know, I didn't think it was all the way cool. I, he came out and said that, you know, everybody's still cohesive. The show is obviously still going to go on. But I just didn't think that was cool and it's not something I rock with. And I'm all about love and loyalty and supporting those that support you. And, again, that's somebody he gets bred with. And I just thought that was really kind of shisty And hopefully I, he does what he usually does and comes out uh to explain why and apologize uh so on a lighter note um i'm gonna talk a little sports get into the uh the carl anthony towns joel Embiid fight um and it was hilarious i mean just to 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 get straight to the point it was hilarious i didn't get to see it live but i've watched every video i could find from every angle i could find and and uh, i used to think carl anthony towns was kind of soft that was like my only criticism of him was he kind of soft, and uh, he didn't seem to be soft with uh with Joel and Joel B. Uh, the guy kind of tangled up in the post after a fast break, and and uh, Joel kind of pushed him after the he tried to untangle with him, and uh, and Carl tried to hit him with a haymaker and he just missed. Flat out, he really tried to punch him, and that's the only real punch I saw thrown. And it's just so long; these two seven foot dudes that his arms extend so long that when he tried to swing. Even in him trying to shorten the blow, it still swung out wide. And him swinging out wide like that, he missed him. And because he missed him, it just, it, he threw a short punch. And then they got to tussling, which is really what the majority of the quote unquote fight was. And then uh, the funniest part of it and where all the memes came from is when he fell on the ground, Carl Anthony Towns um Joe uh, Ben Simmons in trying to keep uh Carl Anthony Towns away from uh, Embiid jumps on top of him and then like throws him in his headlock like if you really watch the fight Ben Simmons is not the cause of why Cat ended up on the ground they're actually friends <laughs> and uh and really what happens is when he ends up on the ground after falling down is then after he's trying to get back to Embiid then that's when Ben Simmons puts him in the headlock um the real you know thing that everybody's talking about is the fact that Um, Each cat and Embiid both got two suspensions. But despite the headlock, Ben Simmons didn't get any type of uh, consequences. No fine, no suspension, nothing. Um, And so I believe that now uh, the Timberwolves are actually um challenging that decision and uh, saying that you know he wasn't just trying to help out in a fight the guy was already on the ground and he jumped on top of him so if you haven't seen that it's pretty hilarious I mean those are two really big guys going at it but that was a uh, that was the main sports story I wanted to get to um other than you know that 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 uh, game uh we watched at the creative ass weekend um uh, between the Lakers and the Mavericks that was a uh, overtime game that Yo, that boy Luka is a a beast, like, LeBron said it himself, that's a bad motherfucker, like, he was boogieing and he was boogieing on LeBron, who I heard is his idol, like, yeah, that was, that was a great game, and, and it really, uh, I gained a lot of respect for Luka, um, I knew he could hoop, but just, um, yeah, he, he was, he was going toe-to-toe with, you know, arguably the best player in the league right now, and I was really impressed, so, those are, those are my sports takes, and, uh, And I just wanted to talk about that fight because I thought the shit was funny. If you haven't seen it, go go find a clip immediately and I think it'll give you a giggle for sure. (laughs) Um, Probably the last topic I'm going to get into before um, doing those recaps was uh, the difficulty of making art that your heart really isn't into. Um, I've been so busy with uh, getting this podcast started um, with uh, my photography, which is kind of what I've been buried into art-wise lately. It's just kind of taken over. And also I had a couple other projects poetry-wise and some performances um, with my best friend Brent for the city of Austin that um, I had to practice for and rehearse for. And we had to create you know all new brand new work for We were uh, commissioned for it. Um, and uh, <clears throat> that kind of been taking up the bulk of my time. Uh, but um, now that uh, I'm kind of free, I have a couple other projects that are on the table, and one of the projects that's been on the table for a while now, and I, I honestly can say I feel really bad about it. Is uh, there's a guy who is I want to say all the way in Brazil. I have to double check, but he reached out to me on uh, on Facebook originally, and emailed me, or no, not Facebook, Instagram originally, and emailed me um, some beats, and he wanted me to be on a project that he has with all female rappers, um, and it is based on I don't know if you've seen it, but the movie Colombiana. Uh, which is a really dope movie uh, starring Zoe Saldana. And if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's a dope action flick, and she's just a badass in it. And so with the whole concept of it, when he sent it to me, uh, I was like, yes, I definitely want to be a part of that. At the time, like, I was, and this is one of the dangers of being a, a multi-hyphenate creative. Uh, I was all gung-ho about music at the time, so everything I was posting was music, everything I was putting my heart into was music, or, or music-related, and uh, it, it, music is still a huge part of music my creative process, but I was making a lot of music at the time, I just released an album, um, I was promoing that album, I was touring, I was doing shows, um, rap shows for the first time and in a greater amount than ever before, and so, you know, that was really what, especially my social media was portraying, and so he reached out to me and said, hey, I got this, these beats, he sent me a couple, I picked one that was really dope, a lot of them were really great, and, um, and he's like, hey, I want, I want to get you on this project, and so this was a couple months ago. Um, I was supposed to finish this verse a long time ago. And again, a lot of projects came up. Um, I love collaborating with people, especially somebody from the other, you know, a whole other country, the other side of the world. Um, and so, you know, it's not something that I was looking for any type of payment for in this specific situation. Um, but because I had a lot of stuff I was getting paid for that came up, um, you know, I just got busy and he's been kind of asking me about it. And I don't know now if, you know, since my projects have started to slow down, I don't know if now that it's how busy I am or just how much my head is just not in the space of making music specifically right now like I I still catch myself freestyling music is always going to be a part of me and I still want to make music I have a whole three tracks of a five track EP I started working on that are just sitting there and they're fire they're fire new producer I've never worked with before he made beats specifically for me Um, And it's just kind of there. And it's kind of one of the dangers of being a multi-hyphenate creative, having all these different things that your heartstrings can get tugged by and they can drag you into this black hole or rabbit hole of creativity. And you're just like, man, photography is what I'm doing right now. Or, uh, man, music is what I'm doing right now. And just get so sucked in that you're just kind of consumed with that. And um, (laughs) and I'm definitely going to finish the first form. I mean, I'm a writer. I'm going to bang it out. But it's 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 been it's felt a little more like work than it did maybe when he initially asked me because i just had that had just had music flowing out of me so heavily at the time because i was so enthralled in it but now that i'm enthralled in all these other aspects of my creative process that um music's not at the forefront and so trying to actually you know it's not like once i sit down and try to write it i know it's gonna come out it's kind of like how it hadn't been a while before I wrote a, a poem about Nipsey Hussle, it had been a while since I wrote a poem from top to bottom, and um, writing that one was just like I just had to sit down and do it. Once I did, it just it flowed out of me. And a topic, you know, in his passing, unfortunately, R.I.P. Nip, um, came up that gave me enough inspiration to you know have that poem pour it out pour out of me, and uh, you know look forward to a, a put out the video shot by Megs Kelly. Um, it just it just came you know and, and came when it needed to. And, you know, when you're being asked to do something for somebody else, I, uh, fortunately, I don't have the luxury of saying, hey, I'll just wait for it to come to me. It's like, no, I need to sit my ass down, stop procrastinating, and focus and, you know, write this, this verse for this guy who I promised this verse so long ago. But it's just something I wanted to talk about and kind of vent about how um, being a multi-hyphenated creative is just when you're all the way enthralled. I was all the way enthralled with the weekend and getting the event put together. So all the way enthralled with, you know, creating this design for this shirt and, 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 doing something different within and making each individual shirt different and special and tie dyeing them um you know I got enthralled with that project and and you just kind of I got enthralled with the project for the city of Austin with my friend Brent and the performance and you know that was two separate shows that they paid us a decent amount of money for so I wanted to make it good Uh, I got so enthralled in those things that I kind of got dragged away from um, making music and now I'm having to you know sit down and force myself to say hey you promised to do this I feel like as an artist um, like anybody, but especially as an artist, you're only as good as your word. and so say you're going to do something for somebody, you should do it, period, and so, um, yeah, that's something that I've, uh, you know, been thinking about a lot lately, and I'm going to get that verse done, (laughs) I'm going to get that verse done for him, and uh, I'm going to make sure that, uh, that I make sure it's the best that I can possibly do, especially because I made him wait so long for it, so, um, yeah, it can be a struggle, uh, trying to get focused when you are so thoroughly, um enamored by so many elements of creativity and so many elements of art but i'm gonna get it done i'm gonna get it done because i said i'm gonna do it and then if you say you're gonna do something you should do it um so uh yeah last and finally just want to do a quick recap of a couple of the events i've been to um shout out to creative digs um that's a friend of mine who uh, i talked about on the last podcast who had a release of his zine and uh if you go to my uh, my instagram at z-a-i-s a writer zays a writer at z-a-i-s a W R I T E R underscore at Zazer Rider. You'll see I have uh, an unboxing video on there of uh, his zine, and uh, it's really dope. It's got a lot of cool pictures in it. He's taken um, a lot of little funny quips and things like that. And it's just really just a book of creativity. and The event was dope. He, he had it at a local clothing store, native, uh, also known as uh, um, Out Hyped, and it was really cool. It was out on Weberville Road. I uh, had some beers, had some cool cool friends out, and just had uh, some cool vibes, and it was really chill. And uh, I'm, uh, I enjoy the zine. I have it up on my bookshelf right now, next to all my little knick-knacks and, and, and uh, you know uh, my Funkos and, and all my art pieces and things that I've gotten from friends, and it looks good up there. So shout out to Creative Digs. I'm always really proud to see any creative that I know personally that that um, is like, hey, I'm gonna do this project. They do that project. They put it out there. They put themselves out there and, um, and, and take the reception, and, uh, and I'm proud, proud to say that, uh, that I really enjoy the, the, the piece of art that he has, and I think it's a nice addition to my crib, and he should be proud of himself, so shout out to Diggs and the event that he threw, got to see some familiar faces that I haven't seen in a while, um, and it was beautiful, and had some really good conversation there as well, that's, uh, probably my favorite part anytime creatives get together, is just the shit we talk about, you know, um, you know, the creatives of the world I feel like are the new athletes and just that when we talk now in this social media era in this era of the creative people listen and um I enjoyed the uh, the vibes that were curated by uh Mr. Daryl Diggs uh at his zine release um also want to uh, shout out Jamaica uh, Jamaica Jackson who also had an event I was talking about um, uh, a Wakanda themed event that was a uh, a fundraiser for the homeless and it was her first event that she'd ever thrown um, you know she shot for the she shot for the stars and I really really commend her for that she had some uh, some really dope people out uh, I got to perform that felt great um, you know anytime I get to get on the stage and share poetry it feels good and they were um, some people I had never performed for there, as well as some friends who hadn't seen me perform and family who hadn't seen me perform in a really long time. So I'm grateful to her for that space and opportunity and um, really proud of her as well for putting out an event and, uh, and, and putting yourself out there and trying to create space for uh, for people, especially with such a good cause, you know, trying to raise money for the homeless. So shout out to both of them for those events that they threw. And last and especially not fi- uh, least or not finally, um, shout out to everybody and thank you to everybody who came out to the Creative Ass Weekend. Um, it's the first event put on by Creative Ass Adults, the, uh, the moniker behind this podcast, this here podcast. Um, it wasn't the hugest shout showing, um, but the people who came out uh, were dope. Um, I got to meet some new people I'd never met before, and I also got to uh, link up some people um, uh, who hadn't met, and that was the point. The point was to link creatives and uh, link people in Austin and create space for people of color in Austin, and I did that, and I'm proud of myself for doing that, and uh, the battery is in my back to continue to do that, so definitely listen to this podcast and follow uh, at creative at C-R-E-8-8, that's right, C-R-E-8-8, T-I-V-E uh, ass adults, uh, on, um, uh, on Instagram, uh, again, uh, that is follow Z-A-I-S-A-W-R-I-T-E-R underscore. That's right. Zay is a writer, um, on Instagram as well as C-R-E-8-8-T-I-V-E-A-S-S-A-D-U-L-T-S underscore, um, on Instagram, um, That was the second episode of the Creative Ass Adults podcast. Um, I really appreciate you guys for listening. Definitely be dropping another one soon. We're going to keep this thing going. And, uh, yeah. Peace.